And thank you, Hannah, for preaching my sermon already. Yay. (laughs) So delighted to be here with you today. And when was the last time you had the ushers give you money? (laughs) Yay. All right. I am so delighted uh, that Tommy, uh, your pastor, invited me to preach today. As a retired clergy, that is one of the hardest things is to sit in the pew. Am I right, my retired friends? Um, Because you sit there and you preach your sermons. But uh, most of the time, I do listen to Tommy and appreciate so much being a part of this congregation and getting to hear this wonderful music uh, and the beautiful liturgy and be a part of your outreach to the world. I'd like to uh, begin, since you all are in your Thanksgiving turkey lull, I thought I might perk you up a bit by beginning with a test. If we could have this first slide this morning. Okay, here it is. Can you find the man in the coffee beans? When you find it, raise your hand. Can you find the man in the coffee beans? That's good. Keep your hands up. Okay. All right. Some are a little slow. Uh, People who found it, you want to help your neighbors? (laughs) It's all right. I'll give you a hint. It's just a face. Do you see it? Finally see it? Okay. All right, look, all right, pretty good. Uh, go to the, let's go to the next slide then. All right, find the cat. There's a cat in the logs. You see the cat? You got the cat? You have the cat. You are, oh, the young, you guys are good. Yay. You all see the cat? Tell them where the cat is. Yeah. No. (laughs) No, that's not it. Anybody else see the, the cat? It happens to be a blonde cat. It's on the very top, not the first stack, the second stack. You see it's lying, it looks like a log, just like cats do. <laughs> do, you, do you not, how many people see the cat now? Yeah, okay. All right, as I'm preaching, those of you who saw it, do go and help your poor neighbors uh, that never could see it. I, <laughs> you know, it's Some people are really good at this. Some people can see these hidden pictures real quickly. And then other people find it very hard to see. And others just immediately cheat and go to Google. (laughs) But seeing is a very tricky thing. And the way that we see can be shaped by all kinds of things. It can be shaped by our personal experience. 
Have you ever noticed that if you go and buy, say, let, let's say you go out and buy a brand new red Honda car, and all of a sudden, all you see on the road are red Honda cars. It's an amazing thing. But your scene has been shaped by your experience. Seeing can be shaped by your preference. I can still very distinctly recall the day that I was riding in the car with my then 14-year-old son, and he pointed wildly out of the car window and shouted, Did you see that? Did you see that? What? I asked. He said, That supercharged 5.2 liter V8, 808 horsepower, 8 speed dual clutch Mustang GTD. And I said, the blue one? <laughs> Growing up as a family, we would see different things. My brother Bob would always see airplanes. And he became a Navy and then later a commercial pilot. My brother Richard would always see motorcycles. And he later uh, worked for BMW and then Harley-Davidson. Me, I always saw horses, and I became a preacher. <laughs> I don't know what that means. That may be a different sermon for another time. But seeing can be shaped by the things that we love, by the things that we hate, by our sense of prejudice, by our worries, by our hopes. And this brings me around to the scripture that we heard read just a few moments ago, throughout his ministry, Jesus' teachings were filled with stories about seeing, about sight and blindness, about perception. Now, perception is a very powerful thing. Uh, a long time ago, I ran across this letter from a college student, a college freshman. I thought here near MTSU you might appreciate that, but how many of you know what writing a letter is? <laughs> um, back in the olden days, BC, before cell phones and before internet, you went off to college and then you went home at Christmas. And if you wanted to communicate with your family in the meantime, uh, you, you might write them a letter. So just pretend you're in the olden days and listen to this letter from a college freshman to her parents. Dear Mom and Dad, since I left for college, I have been remiss in writing, and I'm so sorry for my thoughtlessness and not having written before. I'll bring you up to date now, but before you read on, please sit down. You are not to read any further unless you're sitting down, okay? Well, then I'm getting along pretty well now. The skull fracture and the concussion I got when I jumped out of the window of my dormitory when it caught on fire shortly after my arrival here is pretty well healed now. I only spent two weeks in the hospital, and now I can see almost normally. And I only get those sick headaches once a day. Fortunately, the fire in the dorm and my jump was witnessed by an attendant at the gas station near the dorm, and he was the one who called the fire department and the ambulance. 
He also visited me in the hospital, and since I had nowhere to live because of the burned-out dorm, he was kind enough to invite me to share his apartment with him. It's really a basement room, but it's kind of cute. He's a very fine boy, and we've fallen deeply in love and are planning to get married. We haven't gotten the date exactly yet, but it will be before my pregnancy begins to show. <laughs> yes, Mom and Dad, I'm pregnant, and I know how much you're looking forward to being grandparents, and I know you'll welcome the baby and give it the same love and devotion and tender care that you gave me when I was a child. And I know that you'll also welcome my new husband into our family with open arms. He's kind and although not very well educated, he is ambitious. And although he's of a different religion than ours, I know your oft-expressed tolerance will not permit you to be bothered by that. Now that I brought you up to date, I want to tell you that there was no dormitory fire. I did not have a concussion, a skull fracture. I was not in the hospital. I am not pregnant. I am not engaged, and there is no boyfriend in my life. However, I am getting a D in history and flunking calculus. And I wanted you to see these grades in their proper perspective. <laughs> Your loving daughter, Susie. Perception. The way you see things, it is a powerful thing. And Jesus said that perception... He said, the way you see has all to do with having a life that participates with his love and grace. Perception, the way you see, has to do with participation in life with God, with life abundant, and life as a part of the kingdom of God. All of this has to do with seeing. Psychologist Richard Gregory, in a study on visual perception, discovered that nearly 90% of what we see is lost by the time it reaches our brain. So the brain simply fills in the blanks with its best guess. Now, how often is that the way we see each other and see the world? a glance, 10% of what is, and then we just fill in the gaps with our assumptions. Compare that to the way Moses chose to see. As evidenced in Exodus 3, Moses was up on Mount Horeb, God's mountain, and he saw a bush on fire. And it says he looked and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. This led him to move in close 
to not only see, but to really see. And then he, he takes off his shoes. He enhances his sight with his other senses, wiggling his toes in God's created kingdom. And then he listens. He listens to what turns out to be the very voice of God. Moses is seeing his decision to really see changed his life. <laughs> and it changed the life of a nation. Indeed, it changed history. Augustine died not long after the fall of the Roman Empire in 410 AD. And legend has it that one day he was out walking about and a non-believer challenged Augustine as he held up an idol and began to shout at him sarcastically, here is my God, where is yours? And Augustine replied, I cannot show you my God not because he does not exist, but because you have no eyes to see him. Now, you may read this passage of scripture from Matthew 25 and see an account of Judgment Day, the separation of the sheep and the goats, and you would not be wrong but under the surface, this teaching of Jesus is all about seeing. Did you notice the question? It was asked by both the sheep and the goats. It was asked by those on the left and on the right, those who were invited into the fullness of God and those who somehow missed it, the question. When did we see you? The same question was addressed in Jesus' story of the rich man and Lazarus. It says that Lazarus lay at the gates of the rich man's house. He lay there in anguish, hungry and sick and dirty. And apparently the rich man saw him every single day as he came and went, but he never really saw him at all. Or at least he didn't see him enough to pause to know him, to feed him, to offer him some shelter, or maybe even just a little kindness. Even in death, as the, all the rich man could see in Lazarus was a kind of commodity, someone who could serve him. God, tell Lazarus to go and get me a drink of water. Seeing. The rich man never could see a child of Abraham. Someone with a name and a story and a life of value. Jesus, when did we see you? Jesus, when did we see like you? And yes, I'm, I'm talking to you. When did you see? Think about that. 
When was the last time you really could see? And then what happened when you could really see? Did you turn aside to see more clearly? Did you take off your shoes to enhance your sight? Did you wiggle your toes in the dirt? And what happened when you did see? Did you change? Did the world change? Did someone get something to eat? Did someone have an invitation for a visit? Did someone receive clothing? And then there is that companion question that goes along with this, and that is, what did you see? In Luke's gospel, we are told that Jesus was sitting outside the temple with his disciples. And with that, I want you to take out that little coin that you were given a minute ago and just hold that in your hand, if you would. Jesus was sitting there by the temple and he was watching people as they threw in their money under the offering plate and some unnamed, unknown old woman comes up and throws in two pennies. Truly, Jesus says, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all the rest. She put in all that she had. And that story always makes me wonder. It always makes me want to know, what did she see? What did this poor widow see that led her at a time when her own life was so precarious to give it all? Well, I think I could tell you a few things she probably did not see. She did not see the cemetery where her husband had been buried along with a lot of her past and a lot of her hopes for the future. She did not at least dwell there. She didn't see the neighbors down the street whispering behind their hands, do you see that dress? Look at that hair. And if they were southern neighbors, they would have added the benediction, oh, bless her heart. She didn't see the priest fawning over the big giver. She didn't even see the big givers patting themselves on the back for being so generous when it was not generosity at all. Their gifts were simply tokens given out of their abundance. So what did this widow see? I think she could see God. I mean, she could really see the Lord. Not as a good shepherd, but as her good shepherd. In the midst of all of her hurt and losses, she could still see the hand that prepared a table in the presence of her enemies, the hand that led her into green pastures, the hand that held her face that she, so that she could look into the eyes of the divine and hear that eternal promise. But 
beloved, fear no evil. For you are with me. Goodness and mercy will follow you. Come on now. Come and dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And because this is what she could see, she was led to walk a path of profound generosity. Jesus smiles at his disciples, all of them. Friends, beloved, did you see that? How is your vision these days? When when was the last time you gave yourself some sort of spiritual checkup? so that you could check your seeing. When was the last time you could see Jesus? I hope you'll hold on to that little coin during the days of this week to come. Stick it in your pocket or leave it on the kitchen table and think about that. Not only when did I see, but what did I see? today. We live in an age where there are so many rushing, overwhelming images. One picture after another demanding that we look here, see this. (coughs) The demand, the devastating conflict in Ukraine the bloody, seemingly unending war in the Middle East. And it may not be a war, but what divisions drive us apart and drive us toward anger and hatred within our own country, sometimes within our own church, sometimes within our own families. Look here and look at this. To the point that we just want to shut our eyes close them tight to block it all out. But Jesus says, wait a minute, open your eyes. There is something that I need you to see. In the midst of all of this, Jesus asked, when and where did you see me? Not that you ignore any of the other stuff, Quite the contrary, in the midst of the roaring time and circumstance, the question is simply, when did you see me? Did you see me in the faces of the other children as I waited to pick up mine and the school pickup line? Did I see you when I got caught up in that argument with my brother about politics? Did I notice that you were leaning over, whispering in my ear, blessed are the peacemakers? Did I see you in the face of the man at the corner of Cason Lane and Old Fort Parkway asking for a little handout? Did I see you in the face of 
the stranger or the strange, those who were different. What did you see? Did it melt your heart towards loving? Did it move your feet toward justice? Did it nudge your hand toward generosity? According to the calendar of the church, this is Christ the King Sunday. It is the last day of the Christian year. It is New Year's Eve for the church, a day when we proclaim one last time before a new year begins, Christ is Lord. Christ is Lord of all. And all is a big word. Christ is Lord of all things. Christ is Lord of all time, of all days, the ordinary and the extraordinary, of all people, <coughs> of all past, of all futures. Over this past year, when and where were you able to see Christ as your Lord? Lord over your time. Lord over your stuff. Lord over your history. Lord embracing your future. Could you see the trace of grace in your own story? Well, there's good news. Tomorrow is a new beginning. Lord, open our eyes. Amen. <laughs>